0: From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is
1: the Ask Christopher West Podcast.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. We are cross-pollinating again with our audio podcast and our YouTube channel. So if you are watching on YouTube, check out the link below to go to our regular audio podcast. And if you're listening to our regular audio podcast and you want to see Wendy and me on video, you can go check out our YouTube channel. All the links are provided wherever you are listening. So thanks for tuning in wherever you are tuning in from. Yes, Although, hello. Although you should never use a preposition to end a sentence with. <laughs> just saying, and I just little, did.
1: little grammar. Yeah. I wanted to just say... <laughs> Hi, podcast listeners.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yes, that was missing from our last... I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Okay. And they look forward to that, actually. They really do. <laughs> they tell me that. I had something kind of cool happen recently, yeah? Wendy. Okay. I had to send an episode of our podcast to somebody, and I think I've been on like the podcast app to look up an episode of our podcast like maybe three times in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So I went on there, mm-hmm. and guess what I found? What? Any guesses? No. I had no idea. There's a comment section. Oh. People for five years have, almost five years, <laughs> <laughs> have, been leave, have been leaving comments. Okay. And I had no idea. Did you know this? No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This That's shows a our total thing to say. total podcast ignorance. Oh, no. We have a podcast and we have no idea that people have, for the last four and a half years, people have been leaving comments. And people do not like us. That's oh, pretty insane. I'm that. kidding. I'm kidding. No, the comments were awesome. It, it really blessed me. I went through, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 of them, but there are way too more than I could ever, ever have gone through. But if you ever need a little pick-me-up and you just want to know that uh-huh. our podcast is actually reaching people and, and blessing people out there, go to the podcast app thing. Do you and,
1: feel like we we should apologize to yeah, the people do, who yes. left sorry, podcasts over the sorry years? Sorry, everybody. For <laughs> I mean, not left, even know- left comments. Yeah, I said we left haven't
0: podcasts. even known that people were leaving <laughs> comments. Here's some. Here's some of the ones that that stood out to me. Uh, just three, because I, I don't. We I don't don't have time to go through all of them, obviously. But w- somebody said Monday morning is like Christmas because they know another episode of our podcast oh. is coming out. Another person said. That we are like the parents she always wanted to have, mm-hmm. that was touching. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else said, "You know, there's this kind of ongoing debate about. It's not a debate. That's just the wrong word. But I like to tell everybody because I absolutely believe it's true that you are the star of the show, even though it's called the Ask Christopher West Show. Right. And you know, my my name has been out and about for the last twenty whatever years yeah. doing this work and. You've been the soldier at home raising our kids, and I'm so, so happy to share you, Wendy, with the world, and it just delights me that people are blessed by you. So this was in light of that comment that mm-hmm. you're the star of the show, and this person said, no, the star of the sh- Yes, she said, Wendy's great, no doubt, but the star of the show is our love for each other.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah, I thought that was pretty <laughs> dang good.
1: Thank you for sharing all of that. That's really beautiful.
0: So I told Wendy that I had a little surprise for her in our little banting section (laughs) of our podcast, and she said, you know I don't like surprises.
1: That was a nice surprise. Yeah,
0: I I knew you'd like that surprise. (laughs) Thank you, my love. You're welcome.
1: Do you have any updates for us on the TOB Institute? I do.
0: We have, for those who are in the certification program, actually, maybe I should say a word about the certification program. Sure, go ahead. If you don't know that the Theology of the Body Institute has a certification program, you can check out the link in the show notes if you're listening or right here on our description on the YouTube video. Uh, We have a certification program which consists of eight courses, and you can take them in person or online. And then there's a little practicum at the end to get fully certified as a catechist of the Theology of the Body If you are interested in that as a credential, uh, you can check out the link to learn more. We also have a master's degree, for those who don't know, in conjunction with Pontifex University. You take 11 courses through us, and I believe it's six courses through Pontifex University. All of Pontifex University's courses are online, and most of ours are online. And the master's degree is called... Uh, a master's in theology of the body and the new evangelization. Mm -hmm. So if you are in the market for further studies and you want to check that out, please do. But most people, the large majority of people take our courses just for personal enrichment. But one coming up uh, that is a required course for the for the certification program is The Philosophy of John Paul II, mm-hmm. taught by a friend of mine, Dr. Peter Colosi, great, great teacher. That's coming online in September. Uh, you could register for that already. We also have, in person, we have Theology of the Body Level 1 in the second week of July here in Pennsylvania, and we have Theology of the Body and Spiritual Direction, taught by Father Boniface uh, the first week of August. So check out the link for more info on that.
1: That's great. Yes, we're very grateful for the certification students. Um, I always enjoy when they have their graduations and we get to hear about their projects that they've done as their practicum. That is always so beautiful. I remember once I was sitting in at graduation, listening to amazing things that students had done, and I thought, oh, what have I ever done? <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, I'm raising on a weekly five, podcast. Uh, maybe even, that counts. <laughs> even before
0: that, you're raising five it's kids. It's true.
1: It's true. But I mean, it's funny you know, that that's here. That's a I
0: am. lie. I want to snatch that lie <laughs> out of your mind and out of your heart right now. That is attack an attack <sighs> against you, my your love. person and your identity. What have I ever done? No, I, that that would even enter your mind as a as a something to even entertain. I hear you. I rebuke it.
1: Thank you. I just found it funny that here I am. We record this weekly podcast, but somehow, as people are talking about spreading Theology of the Body, I that just went completely out of my mind, and I thought I hadn't, had no ministry or something. In that.
0: We do this podcast, yes. Yes, we do.
1: Okay. So you ready for a question from a patron?
0: Yes, because you and I do a podcast.
1: <laughs> That's right. This is from a patron named Carly.
0: Hello, Carly.
1: I've heard it recommended by some Catholics that couples should have a short dating and engagement so that they won't fall into sexual sin before their marriage. This point of view doesn't sit well with me.
0: Our YouTube viewers just saw the rolling of my eyes. you?
1: You're going to struggle with chastity in marriage as well, and the time before marriage is a training ground for chastity within marriage. I do not want to be married to someone because I couldn't control myself beforehand. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Carly, uh, you and I are really on the same page here in being somewhat disturbed by some of the underlying premises mm. of that very thought. Mm-hmm. And here, without, without a- attempting to say, I know what, what everybody thinks when they're thinking that, I'll t- put that aside, I don't. I don't claim to know, mm-hmm. I know what everybody thinks if they're thinking you should have a short engagement. But I I do know that sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, that idea is motivated, as she said, by this idea, shorter engagement than not as much temptation to unchastity. She's exactly right, that there's no magic trick on your wedding day that suddenly makes what you're going to do that night chaste. If you were not chased before you got married there you're not suddenly chased when you get married Mm. right so let's look at this virtue of chastity and and let's and in looking at it i hope we will recognize why there's no magic trick that suddenly makes you chase what's really going on here is a legalistic understanding of morality right the day before you get married it's illegal right now you're married now it's legal uh that is a problem, that is a problem. What we're all called to, what every human being is called to, whether you are married, single, consecrated celibate, every human being is called to the virtue of chastity. And chastity is the virtue that orders our sexual desires towards upholding the true dignity of every human person. Right? So what, what does that look like for premarital chastity? Here's what it doesn't look like, let me just put it that way first. Oftentimes you get this notion, and it's inherent in this question, that, uh, well, in order to stay chaste before you get married, you you better never be alone together, because you know what's going to happen if you're alone together, okay, I'm all for recognizing your weaknesses, and taking proper steps so that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you just fall into your weaknesses. I applaud you, high five, absolutely. But don't call that chastity. That actually demonstrates your lack of chastity. Because mm. it demonstrates the that you are overwhelmed by the inclination to follow a desire that would not uphold the dignity of the other. And that is precisely the lack of chastity. Mm-hmm. And in that mindset, you get this idea, here, you chain yourself to this tree and I'll chain myself to this tree so we can't get at one another and we don't fall into, quote, unchastity. Well, the unchastity is already present in your mm. disposition towards each other and your sexual desires. And I'm not saying that to scold anybody. I mean, that's, just, that's the human reality of our fallen nature. But what's the danger of this mentality of you chain yourself to that tree, I'll chain myself to this tree, until we get married. Well, what's the wedding night going to be for that couple? Oh, now we're quote, allowed to cut the change loose. Cut. <laughs> oh, dear. Is, 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 that was beautiful.
1: I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, let's yeah. do that again tomorrow.
0: Um, is, is, this, is this, if you put it this way, if the only thing that kept you from having sex before you got married, was the fact that you didn't have the opportunity to have sex before you got married. You are not chaste. This is not chastity. This is not, this is not the freedom for which Christ has set us free. This couple is in chains. And again, with, with due reverence for each person's journey, and again I'll say it just so people don't accuse me of, of thinking otherwise, I applaud those who, realizing their weaknesses, arrange their lives so that they're not alone together for extended times. But if you are truly chaste, in other words, if, if your sexual desires have, have reached a point of redemption, not that any of us is ever perfect in this life, but if your desires have reached a point where you, you are relatively free from the domination of lust, and able, by God's grace, to direct your desires towards upholding the good of the other, then an unmarried couple could be alone for as long as they wanted to and not fall into sin because they're free. They're not being dominated by unruly desires. The real danger, again, I'll say it, of of believing otherwise Uh, that you can't control yourself is that you will think getting married justifies lack Mm. of self-control. And she's exactly right that chastity is integral to marriage itself and that premarital uh, dating is meant to be a training ground for growing in chastity. So I applaud her for her perspective there. I, I fully agree with it. Uh, when do you have the question in front of you? Am I missing anything? Did I not comment on anything, or is there something you want to comment that on that maybe I didn't comment on?
1: I feel all the things that she's saying. She's kind of getting at something that feels off in the that, as you said, the premise yeah, of the yeah. of the advice. Um, and I, I, I know as you commented, we you know don't know the thoughts of every yeah. couple or every person giving advice. There's there's a lot, I feel like, of kind of subtle differences that are hard to mm, parse out right. in in individual couples approach. And I can imagine um, a couple choosing to avoid those situations, even if they have that ethos that you mentioned of of an chastity being their hearts ordered, Toward their their sexual desires, ordered to the good of the other, even, even if they have no um, doubt that were they in this situation or that situation, that they would choose to honor, you know, that person in their um, behavior. That can, they may... can I add something? Yeah, here? yeah. Go ahead.
0: So, so let me uh, tell me if this is an example of what you're getting at—that there's there's propriety. Sure. Even if, for example. You knew you could live in the same house, and yeah. remain chaste. It's not a good idea before you're married to be living in the same house for any number of reasons. Not the least of which is the message you're sending right. to to others. Yes. Are you getting? Is that I, something as that's to what definitely you're
1: getting? in there? Yeah. And yes. So I just want to kind of give room to couples hearing our answer to look at um, just. The the wide range of different experiences that people have, that there could be a certain prudence in this advice, but it could be a sign of just a lack of a vision for what... the dignity of a man and a woman is, even if they're young people deeply yeah. in love and excited to be married, maybe people are just really lacking in that fuller vision. Yep. And that in that lack, when you don't know what you don't have, this can feel like prudence and...
0: It, and when you're saying this, I'm remembering what the this is, is not being engaged for for a a really long... I totally forgot that that was the premise of the question. I I latched on to that whole what is chastity thing. But yeah, yeah, there are plenty of good reasons. Forgive me for jumping in here, Wendy, but I'm just remembering I had forgotten.
1: Yeah,
0: Remembering I had forgotten. That's an interesting phrase. Um, Now I've forgotten what I remembered I forgot. That
1: it was about the length of an engagement. The whole
0: point of this question was the length of... There could be any number of good reasons not to have a long engagement. Mm -hmm. I just want... To hear people i want people to hear me saying that yeah and i also want to say that um i would think that you would want you would not want to have a super long engagement if you were being if you were desiring the marital embrace and there's no reason i mean do, why would you want to wait longer than Mm-hmm. You know the, the normal
1: So many circumstances go into yeah. those decisions, I guess is kind of where all of my feedback is going yeah. is that is that honoring of the circumstances of all kinds of details in our lives that impact that. But I think the thing that Carly was reacting to is that feeling of um, just not recognizing we're meant to be growing in our Um, maturity in our relating during engagement and not, as you described, just chaining ourselves until we can finally, that that legalism that you pointed out. So um, yeah, I think, I hope what people take away from this is a sense of a deeper calling On that journey of of dating and engagement to grow, you know, and yes, to honor the goodness of our desire for one another. It is good, it is God-given, it is affected by sin. All of those things are true. And we're needing to be prayerful and honest and open to grace and growth and, and conversation and all those things that you know lead us to be more prepared to love one another as husband and wife and we're going to be on a journey of doing that after for the our rest marriage. of our lives. Yeah, so I think there's just a good what like, kind of sensitivity that Carly has and also I just feel like a need for balance of just honoring people are on a different different journeys that they need to, you know, have that space to yeah. be true to themselves but be
0: and and be a yeah, Christian know thyself mm-hmm. is great advice. Like we we have to have the freedom for which Christ to which Christ calls us held out to us. Yeah. But not to use as some whip to beat ourselves up if we're not there, because none of us are there. We're on this journey towards okay. that freedom. And wherever you are on that journey, you can know that you are loved there. And love is what compels us to continue on that journey towards a more and more full and more and more mature freedom. And I love this line from Love and Responsibility by JP2. He says, what is required for marriage is that you be mature enough to continue maturing. Yeah. Love it, love it. Mature enough to... You and I were so immature.
1: And we didn't know it. And we didn't know it (laughs) when
0: we got married, but... We were mature enough to continue, to continue. maturing,
1: true. and so any At couple. At least you were. <laughs> come on,
0: you were more mature than I was. I don't There's think no doubt so. about that. Anyway. Well,
1: any couple say you did have a short engagement for this reason, for you know this out of this mindset, and you're you're hearing this question answered, right. and it's kind of calling into question what was the yep. you know mindset that you had going into marriage, and does this sort of shut shed some light on some early marriage experiences. Yeah. All of that is
0: okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah.
1: It's okay. The Lord loves us there. He yeah. he's wanting that light to shine, not to, you know,
0: condemn or scold yeah, no, or make you question we, everything. We don't but, have
1: to hide. Yeah. We can just open that up and say, Lord, here we are. Yeah. Pour in the grace. We want to be more chaste now. Yeah. Like we want to have a deeper self-possession and desire for the good of the other, now let's, let's go. Let's grow
0: in mm. that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should pray for any married couple listening out there or married person who, in light of how we've answered this question, they're maybe looking back and thinking, mm. oh, what light does that shine on what we yeah. went through back in 1983 or whatever <laughs> it might be? You know, could, could you lead us in a prayer there, Sure, Love? sure.
1: Lord, I lift up our listeners to you. I lift up couples who are engaged, couples who are newly married, couples who've been married a long time. Lord, we, at different times in our journey, we we experience new light, and it can be scary. Mm. Sometimes we don't feel like looking at things and seeing them in a new way. Lord, I ask that your love would fill the hearts of our listeners Mm. and that they would know your tender mercy, know that they don't need to be perfect to be loved, that you are with every couple on this journey of life, that you are pouring graces forth, that they would have hearts ready to receive and have good conversations, have good prayer and good growth from this point.
0: Amen. Amen. And I just wanna give a shout out to Carly. Thank you for your support of the Theology of the Body Institute as a patron. I hope, Carly, you're taking advantage of the exclusive formation that we offer our patrons. And if anybody out there would wanna learn more about that exclusive formation and how you can support our work here at the Institute, please check the link on becoming a patron. Thanks so much, Carly.
1: Our next question is from Amber. Hi, Amber. Our faith informs us that we are not to use any form of artificial conception such as in vitro fertilization. But what about in the case of illness? I have heard of several people who have received a cancer diagnosis in young adulthood, and they were advised to freeze their eggs or sperm in order to conceive their own biological child later through technology. What does the church say about this? What if a married couple considers using their frozen eggs or sperm only as a last resort?
0: So here we have a situation, Amber, of the end does not justify the means. The end is a good end Mm -hmm. and a very understandable end in a critical situation, a painful situation where someone may have cancer or any number of ailments where today the typical advice would be, if you wanna have children, freeze your eggs, uh, well, freeze your sperm, Mm -hmm. that's understandable that people in critical situations with critical health where because of this treatment you're now going to receive, chemotherapy or what have you, you, on the other side of it, you will not be fertile anymore. So before we have that, let's freeze your eggs, let's freeze your sperm, and then we can use those later on. However, the end, this very good, very understandable desire for children, and coupled with the sadness that they have this disease, can't we spare them the additional sadness that they won't be able to have children by doing this? Great end, great desire of the heart, It does not justify doing something immoral. If it is immoral in itself, if it is objectively immoral, Mm -hmm. no circumstance, no situation could justify doing it ever. And the church teaches that artificial reproduction, let's define our terms here, and please, if you have more in-depth questions about this, I have a whole chapter on these questions in my book, Good News About Sex and Marriage. So uh, the specific is this, if a technology aids the marital act in bringing about a conception, for example, maybe a woman is having a hard time ovulating, she can take some treatment or have some surgery that will enable her to ovulate and she conceives through a marital embrace, praise God. Or the man has a low sperm count and he can change his diet or take these supplemental pills or whatever to increase his sperm count and they can conceive through the marital embrace, praise God. We are acting in accord with God's plan for the marital embrace, but the Church teaches it is intrinsically wrong, meaning no circumstance, no situation can justify it ever, to replace the marital act as the means by which the child is conceived. The marital act has to be the cause that brings about the effect. Of the conception, because each and every human being has the right to be conceived by a marital embrace. We know for darn sure that there are millions and millions of people all throughout human history who have not been conceived by a marital embrace. They've been conceived by fornication, adultery, prostitution, uh, uh, and any number of technological procedures, none of which are the marital embrace. Does God love these children who are conceived not by a marital embrace? Absolutely. Yes. Did God want these children to exist who came, came into being through a Petri dish? Absolutely, he wanted them to exist. How do I know this? Because they exist. Mm. If God didn't want them to exist, they would not exist. They exist, God wanted them to exist. God is not opposed to bringing about a great good through our wrong choices Mm. saint paul wrestled with this what is it how is it that god brings good out of evil Uh, and he does bring good out of evil. that's the nature of god and then paul says he concludes that god does this and then he says does this justify doing the evil because we know god will bring something good out of it and he says your condemnation is deserved if you think that way Mm. so We know that God brings good, even the greatest good, which is the conception of another child, out of a horrible evil such as rape. Mm -hmm. That does not justify doing the evil so that the good would result at all. The church teaches that in vitro fertilization or artificial insemination, two examples of techniques that replace the marital act as the means by which the child is conceived, that these are intrinsically wrong, intrinsically evil, intrinsically not in keeping with God's plan for marital love and the conception of a life. God loves all the children conceived of these procedures, but we may not do evil that good result. So here, here, this is an intrinsic evil, and it's an intrinsic wrong use of our sexual faculty, and it can never be justified, even under whatever circumstance.
1: And couples who are learning this now, you know, who who perhaps very in just a state of ignorance about some of this. um, Yes, you're right, Wendy. There are a lot of people
0: out there, yeah, Yeah. who are ignorant Um, about it.
1: There is. It's. I'm grateful for your instinct to uphold God's faithfulness. That it's actually we can still thank the
0: Lord. Amen. Amen. For the children,
1: even as we experience the remorse over our own sin in bringing them into the world in a way that wasn't honoring God and His design. But when we are accountable for what we know to be true, and we need to trust that our family is in God's hands. So anyone who's facing this kind of diagnosis... And experiences that temptation out of the yep. the fear, and also the kind of I want to say the packaging that the healthcare yep. industry yep. kind of puts around it, whether it's a beautiful brochure or yep. a kind of uh, subtle, you know,
0: you better do this.
1: Yes, we yep. don't we don't want to hear from you later yep. <laughs> that we didn't tell you, or you know, kind of you don't want to regret. Um, all of that can be pressuring us and and not. Um, allowing us to just freely process I, this to those people. I really want to say the Lord knows his plan for your life, knows his plan for your family, and he wants you to trust him. Yeah, and he wants you to walk through this whole journey this journey of the illness you're facing, of every difficult decision in your whole entire life, holding his hand, trusting that his way is the way that is best for your life your story and not to be afraid of that it's it's natural to fear it sometimes we have people around us and that's where you have things like those incredible encounters in the gospel where jesus is looking at a person could be the the woman at the well could Mm -hmm. be peter in the boat and saying keep your eyes on yes yes I know this whole circumstance seems wrong and unbearable. Keep your eyes on me. And so those stories can really speak to our hearts when we're facing these difficulties and give us that confidence in his love for us that Mm. we can choose to follow him and not regret it. Mm. Not regret it. Yeah.
0: Wendy, I just had a weird, strange... You know how my brain does strange things. Sure. So does mine. (laughs) (laughs) My brain just did something very strange. I'm sitting here looking at you and hearing this beautiful wisdom flowing out of your Mm -hmm. heart. And I'm thinking, wow, who is the lucky, blessed man who gets to be married to this person? And I was like, holy schnikey!" I am. Thanks, my love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shall we go on? I I just wanna say one more thing about this. It reminds me of some friends we had years ago who told us the story about, I guess their child at the time was maybe 12 and they had conceived him out of wedlock. And they knew he was getting to the point where he was starting to do the math on Mm. his birthday Mm. and their wedding anniversary. Mm. And they came to us asking, what what do you, I mean, it's coming, it's inevitable, we're gonna have Mm -hmm. to have this conversation. What do we say?" Mm-hmm. And, and we, we shared with them that it was an opportunity to talk about God's mercy and providence and His willingness to bring great good even out of wrong choices. Mm-hmm. But there was no way around saying, we made a wrong choice. We had intercourse before we were husband and wife. That was a wrong choice. Mm-hmm. You can't say, that was a great choice, because look at what God did. Mm-hmm. The choice to have intercourse was a wrong choice, but there was a great good that came from it. This is the nature of our God. He brings about good even out of our wrong choices, and we have to hold those two together. And it's similar with a child conceived from in vitro or artificial Mm -hmm. insemination that clearly this life is, is a glorious gift of God. You can't conclude because the act that brought the child into being means the child is not a glorious gift of God, nor can you conclude that because the child is a glorious gift of God, that the act that brought this child into being is good. Right. You have to stay in that tension, Uh, and and that itself is a, a beautiful education of a parent to a child, to invite them to stay in that tension, and not to remove the tension in one of the two ways Mm -hmm. by saying either you're obviously you wouldn't want to go in the direction of your existence is not good so you might be inclined to say well what we did was good but you can't go that direction either you have to stay in that tension and that itself is good parenting to help your children recognize Mm -hmm. that tension and recognize God's goodness in and through it all Mm. that that was all I wanted to share yeah
1: our next question is from Maria.
0: Hello, Maria.
1: Thank you guys for everything you do. You're really helping me on my way to heaven.
0: Well, that's I have a question cool.
1: for you. <laughs> I'm trying to discern my vocation because I feel a burning desire to give my life completely to God.
0: Oh, can I just pause right there? That's holy. Yeah. That's holy. That's, that's, hol- that's, Maria, you are in touch with who God made you to be. <laughs> And you are in touch with what it means to be human, and you are in touch with—you're in touch with what Pope Benedict XVI calls the signature of God, imprinted with fire in our body and our mm. soul, which is the desire to become a gift. So, wow! But I interrupted, so keep That's going. It's okay. I just had to say that. Sorry for interrupting, Marie is I just best. interrupted again. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop interrupting now. Keep going, Wendy. <laughs> I don't know. One more thought before you could. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: Maria says, I don't know how specifically I'm called to give this gift. My problem is that with the beautiful perspective of John Paul II's TOB, I've come to a point of not really seeing big differences between marriage and celibacy. I think the foundation and beauty of the two is basically the same. Yep. Being a wife yep. and a mother, giving my love to, yep. sorry, giving my life to God and to others and walking towards the marriage of the Lamb. Yep. That happens in both vocations. Yep. So I'm a little bit confused. How can I discern properly?
0: Okay, I have a song that just came to me. Okay. Mama <laughs> Maria, I love you. Yeah, Maria, I love you. You're beautiful. Yeah. Uh, oh, Maria, I love you, girl. You got it. You're on it. This is... You're absolutely right. The more we see the theology of our bodies and the light that they shine on both marriage and celibacy, and here I wanna just say what I so often say, I think celibacy is the wrong term mm. for that vocation. hmm Because it's a negative term, it tells us what they're not doing. Mm. It speaks to what they've given up, but what have they embraced? Maria is absolutely right that they have embraced, in the here and the now, the marriage of the Lamb. And every man, by virtue of being a man, and every woman, well, let me say the man first. Every man, by virtue of being a man, (laughs) is called to be both a husband and a father, in one way or another. This is why we call a priest father. Every child he baptizes is one of his spiritual children. And this is why we call Mother Teresa Mother Teresa. She married Christ, and she became truly a spiritual mother, a wife and a mother. The the priest marries the church. This nuptial symbolism, this spousal mystery marks everything in the Christian life, says the catechism. Look it up. It's Catechism 1617. How do I know that? Because it's my favorite line in the catechism. <laughs> the entire Christian life bears the mark of the spousal love of Christ in the church. How much of it?
1: The entire Christian life. The
0: entire Christian life. I was listening. Everything, including and even especially our vocations. So Maria, spot on, you're living out in one way or the other the spousal meaning of your body, which is that call to be a gift, Mm. right? And one of John Paul II's favorite sayings from the Second Vatican Council comes from the document Gaudium et Spes, Joy and Hope, number 24. And it says that the human being, man, can only find himself through the sincere Mm. gift of himself. And that call to make a sincere gift of ourselves is chiseled by God right in the sexual difference. Man's body makes no sense by itself. Woman's body makes no sense by itself. But seen in light of each other, unless we're blind, tragically, the world today is blind to this. But the body tells the story that we are called to be a spousal gift. We cannot and should not want to escape the spousal meaning of our bodies. And there are two fundamental ways, the church says, of living out the spousal meaning of the body in its totality, that's an important qualifier, in its totality means in a vowed state, an irrevocable gift that you have committed the whole of your life to. And there are two ways of doing that, either consecrated celibacy or the marital vow, right? Both are a total gift of self in an irrevocable kind of way. That doesn't mean single people who may not have discerned celibacy or marriage are are not living out the spousal meaning of their body. They are in every way they become a gift in the workplace, in the community, their family of origin, their neighborhood, their parish. Every way we're learning to love, there's going to be that self-donation that bears fruit, that establishes communion and bears fruit in one Mm -hmm. form or another. But the I want to just repeat that. Yes.
1: Self-donation that establishes communion and bears fruit. There it is. Okay, keep going. Yeah,
0: that was... that. I liked it. Yeah, I kind of liked it the way it came off, too. (laughs) I threw you off. (laughs) But now, yeah, where was I? That's okay, because I threw you off earlier. Uh,
1: That's good. Yes, so you're talking about uh, single people, not in a vowed state.
0: Right, not in a vowed state. So that doesn't mean they're not living the spousal meaning of the body, but they're not living it in a total or irrevocable way. Right. So Maria, the fact that you are seeing these two vocations coming together mm. and you're almost like, well, they're both beautiful, which that's exactly where you want to be, to be free.
1: Yeah, I see that freedom.
0: Yeah. To be to 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 be to, to, to that's all folks. To be able to choose where your heart's leading you, because you're not choosing under compulsion. Mm. You're not choosing under f- uh, 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 because of some fear. You're not choosing out of disdain for one or the other. You're, you're choosing in freedom and you see the good of both. Mm-hmm. And that's putting you in the place to have a free heart that is ready and willing to say, Lord, what do you want of me? Show me your will for me. People will often come up to me and after hearing a talk of mine or something at a parish and say, wow, Christopher, you, you preach the gospel with conviction and it really reaches people's hearts. You, you should have been a priest. Mm. Why didn't you think? And I say, well, no, I shouldn't have been a priest. And I did think of it, but I shouldn't have been because it's not the Lord's calling on my life. The Lord's calling on my life was to marry you, Wendy, and I'm so glad that was the Lord's mm-hmm. calling on my life. This is going to be, by by God's choice and my consent and God's choice for you and your consent, this sacrament, our marriage, is going to be the way that you and I, God willing, get to heaven. Uh, and we rejoice in that. And But if I had been called to celibacy, or if you had been called to celibacy, that would have made me really sad if you had been called to celibacy. <laughs> but I'm so glad you weren't. Um, but if you had, or if I had been, that would be the path. That would get us to heaven. Both have the same goal, to get you to the marriage of the Lamb. So Maria, you're beautifully free. Pray in that freedom, Lord, what's your will for me? And you know what the Lord might say, Maria? He might just say, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want?
1: Yeah, that that's that's a beautiful point as well. And so as you're living your life day to day, Maria, that can certainly be Maybe a source of frustration, especially when you spoke of that burning desire. Right. Is it that's an intense image? So I I that love burn that. is
0: the signature imprinted with oh, fire. That's
1: right. Woo right to be a gift. Um, I think we can only give ourselves in truth in our current circumstance, allow the Lord to call us to be a gift and to recognize that and and be stretched in the ways that he's calling us to be a greater gift and trust that as we're taking the next step he shows us that it keeps he keeps showing us the next step and the next step and eventually through the that faithfulness of an open heart a yes a willingness and an action taken in response to him calling us in the next step and the next step it begins to be clear and he Believe me, I can relate to asking, like, Lord, could you just show me where I'm going? I can live the life up to there, but I want to know where I'm going. Well, he's shown you where you're ultimately going, but sometimes we want to see something sort of in the middle. And that surrender of, no, actually, you just have to trust me and take only the next step that I've shown you, Um, that that is creating that deeper and deeper bond with the Lord and and he's smiling. You know, he's not saying go here with some kind of a scowl. He's saying it with love.
0: Come. Amen. Yeah. Come. And that, you know what? As you're saying that, I'm hearing the Lord's love for Maria. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that song came from. Like yes, why that came out. That's Jesus to you, Maria. Yeah. Oh Maria, I love you, girl. Oh, my That's Jesus to your heart, Maria. I hope you can hear him singing to you. Mm -hmm. He loves you, girl. (laughs) Keep giving your yes to him. One way or the other, you are destined forever to be his fruitful bride. in that Mm. burning, aching yearning, Mm. that signature of God imprinted on your body and soul with fire, Pope Benedict XVI, will be fulfilled forever in the marriage of the Lamb. That's the destiny of us all. Pretty dang good destiny. It is. I'd I'd like to get there with you, Wendy, and with all of our listeners. I really, Mm -hmm. the communion of the saints in union with the communion of the Trinity through the body of Christ, forever participating in the bliss of the Trinity. This is our destiny. Thank you, Lord. This is why we exist. This is why you have made us male and female. This is why you have called us to be a gift to one another. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing, amazing destiny and calling. May we know it. May we know it in our hearts, in our minds, in our very bodies, that we are a gift. Let us become what we are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.